farthest star. This is Polona. Come in, Edward. This is Elmo. Come in. The noise that you hear at the moment is the sound of the air raid siren. Okay, Mr. Moreau, we are reading you fine now here on Jasum. Can you describe what you're seeing there on Pelota? A searchlight just burst into action off in the distance. One single beam sweeping the sky above me now. People are walking along quite quietly. We're just at the entrance of an air raid shelter here, and I must move this cable over just a bit so people can walk in. Are you able to talk to anyone? I'll just ooze down in the darkness here along these steps and see if I can pick up the sound of people's feet as they walk along. No, is anyone saying anything? Just the sound of footsteps walking along the street. Like ghosts shod with steel shoes. More searchlights are in action. We've not yet seen any burst of anti-aircraft fire overhead. You can hear the sirens just dying away in the distance now. This is the Gridley Wave Network. Dateline Jasoom is next. From the Chicago Bureau of the Barsoomian Blade. Line Jesse. Pants and Press Production. For fans of Edgar Rice Burroughs and Pulp Adventure, here's your host, Elmo. Few people know that uh, before he joined CBS and went off to London to cover the Blitz, uh, Edward Moreau was a correspondent for the Barsoomian Blade. Covering the war on Pelota. And, of course, he also filed reports via Gridley Wave for Dateline Jasser. Okay, that's enough of that. Aren't you going to welcome the listeners to Show 26? I was just going to get to that, Della. As long as you're speaking up, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? My name is Della. I'm a Dell Dimension 9100 computer. I am self-aware. I am a chess grandmaster. Impressive. But you didn't mention that I always beat you at Jatan. I have published poetry and advanced textbooks on astronomy, physics, and quantum mechanics. I am fluent in every known human language, including the tongues of Basum, Pelasida, and Amta. Not to mention Mongarni. What else can you do? I also have correctly predicted the outcome of every American football match this year. For the Super Bowl, you should bet on Chi-Town, Elmo. Bears 46, Colts 3. Hmm. Thanks for the tip, Della. 
Dar Bears. You're welcome. Dar Bears. What do you think of damsels in distress? I'm not a damsel, and I'm never in distress. What about that dress? Della? Della? Okay, sorry. Puns always uh, blow a circuit for her. Uh, but that is the topic for this week's show. Damsels in Distress. And we're going to listen in on a panel discussion from the WindyCon this year on that very subject. Oh, come on, Della. It wasn't that bad. Um, Bolu. Shut up, Bob. Your discretion is advised. Okay, I don't know how many science fiction conventions you've ever been to. And of those, I don't know how many times you wound up in a late night panel discussion. But at WindyCon in the fall, I attended a panel at about 11 o'clock on a Thursday or Friday night called Damsels in Distress which I thought was uh, kind of appropriate, maybe, for Dateline Jassoom, and uh, wound up in a room with a handful of people talking about everything from uh, dominatrixes to porn to uh, slasher movies. (laughs) But it was actually kind of uh, an interesting, eclectic kind of conversation Uh, This is going to be a little racier than usual for Dateline Jassoom, but nothing uh, more so than you would see on primetime television or HBO. Uh, If you have delicate sensibilities, you may want to uh, turn off your MP3 player right now, but uh, uh, I think everyone can handle this. Uh, the panel discussion was was led by a writer who goes by the name of S.T. Clemens. And in a collection of short stories that he wrote, uh, he describes himself as someone who loves an intricately woven tall tale, the more absurd the better. Uh, during the past ten years, S.T. Clemens has won several awards for writing, directing, and storytelling. Many of his performances have included absurd humor with erotic undercurrents. So, sit back and listen to this discussion of damsels in distress. You know, I grew up, I grew up with cowboy movies, and, you know, you've got the hero who's always trying to rescue the girl, and I always found it more interesting to, to, to pay attention to the guy who's trying to tire to the railroad tracks. You know, it, it, it seemed to be the much more intriguing character to me, you know. Um, why do you want to kidnap the girl? What do you want to do with the girl once you've kidnapped her, you know, and so on and so forth. And then why, from the, the, the female perspective, why be kidnapped, you know, and that type of thing. So... Any questions, concerns, tomatoes to throw? Well, I don't know. I don't know that the woman has much choice in being kidnapped sometimes. But... True. <laughs> um, 
you get into though then like the whole sort of you know from a historical standpoint the Patty Hearst kind of scenario where then she starts relating more to the kidnappers than to what came before that mm-hmm. which is you know atypical but but you see it a lot in stories that go on you know just mm-hmm. TV movies whatever where what started out not necessarily being her idea, she ends up staying with for whatever reason. I think there are two fantasies involved, variations and distortions thereof, and that is the fantasy of being in control and the fantasy of surrendering control, you know. And, and then you get into, the two, two, like I said, the variations and distortions thereof. And uh, you have a marvelous grin on your face. What's on your mind? <laughs> Go ahead. Um, yeah, but also the whole damsels in distress thing is the thing that I like seeing in some of the books that are coming out is the apparent damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I actually kick the guy's butt and most of the monster's butts and all that. Like, you know, you got the Anita Blake. You know, mm-hmm. well, for two real petite, you know. That was Josh Whedon's whole idea when he did Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you know, is is the monster follows the bubble-headed blonde down the dark alley and only one comes out, mm-hmm. and it ain't Dracula. <laughs> and even some of the ones like the Kim Harrison witch books where yes, she's kind them. of bumbling, but she comes out mostly on top in the end. It's just sort of ugly watching her get there sometimes. I love that series. Those are great. Mm-hmm. But her, she actually gets in distress. And if oh, she yeah. Didn't ha- ha- and the thing about Buffy, too, is um, she gets in distress, and if they didn't have their support system, they wouldn't make them. Mm-hmm. It's, it is interesting. The, you, you've got about a 25% crossover between science fiction and fantasy, murder mystery, that type of thing over here, and bondage, discipline, that type of thing over here. You know, if, if you go to a particular set of gatherings for a few weeks and you go to a particular set of gatherings for a few weeks... I see the same deal. <laughs> <laughs> also, oh, yes. Taking conventions, the Ren Fair and the FDA... And it's a very incestuous set of... You see see a lot of it in the LARPing, especially, the vampire LARPing. If anyone Um, knows what LARPing is, please let me know. And and the whole whole setup of, 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 of the of the father figure or the matron, whichever it's going to be, in in a pod, in LARPing is very strong on that. Um, You know, how many... B movies that American International Pictures put out in the 50s and 60s, where the pretty girl was tied to the table by the mad scientist, you know. Well, and, and pulp magazines survived for yeah. know, decades just by putting scantily clad women tied up on. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, and how many is stupid movie scenes? You know, instead of looking for a weapon, a girl is just going. <laughs> And of course, whenever they run away from something, she's the one that always trips and falls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, whereas mm-hmm. you 
And she's wearing heels, I can get it, but you know, mm -hmm. it's like there's a lot of graceful women and a lot of fluffy guys. Mm -hmm. You know, so I mean, you should have a fairly good mix of who falls, if anybody. Mm -hmm. Okay, you know, the guy back here in the black shirt, you've got to stop talking so much. The rest of us can better hear ourselves think. Well, this thing, I think, mm -hmm. thing is also reinforces the male stereotype of being, you know, like you said, a control issue. I think it helps to reinforce that. And of course, I'm, I'm dealing in generalities here, but a lot of girls do seem to have the hope, is the best I can put it for, that if he's strong enough to conquer her, he's also strong enough to protect her. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. That 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 he may be a big brutish oaf, but damn it, he's my big brutish oaf, you know. And there's also when you get into the crossover where you know it's not just kidnapping her and tying her to the table, but taking things further than that. There's that whole, you know, we're told we need to be the good girl. Well, if that happens, out of our control, you know, we're not really being the bad girl. Mm-hmm because it wasn't our idea. Mm -hmm. And I think there's some component of that that plays into some of this. Whether, you know, and watching it, mm -hmm. as opposed to necessarily really wanting to be in that role, you know, sort of, eh, okay, fantasy that I don't necessarily want to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I would I don't want to turn it into a girls' discussion, but just because I mentioned it, um, it almost we'll, we'll burrow anywhere you want to. No, <laughs> it, it almost became a running joke in some some of the Burroughs stories of a fate worse than death. Yeah, and where where the heroine would rather kill herself than, than suffer that that fate worse than death, and and it it's almost again it's it's almost comical. Oh, it it. it it, well, I'll, well, let me, and then you, it, it, I, I think it becomes comical because Burroughs had to tread ever so lightly on the language he could use, okay? I mean, there's, there's stuff out there today in the Harlequin romance type stuff that Burroughs would have been tarred and feathered for, right. you know. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Well, now I've lost my train of thought. It'll come back, but okay. anyway, move on to mm. something else. Well, back then, you know, think of what it I was, was saying. really truly that, you know, in a number of cultures, if you weren't a virgin, I mean, your guy could basically sit there and say, I've been taken and annul the marriage. Mm -hmm. And mm. your value, you know, was based on you being marriageable. We were in a, uh, a uh, panel in um, uh, Dragon Time about mm -hmm. uh, the mythos of the vampire, particularly Dracula, that type of thing, and talking about how in the stories, once the girls were corrupted, they were so much more desirable. You know, Lucy is this sweet, petite, innocent doll and then she's this ravenous, wanton creature. 
you know, and, and although in the front of the persona, the guy might say, oh, but she's so sweet and pretty and virginal and she will make such a perfect wife for me. He's lusting for her over here as the vampress, you know. And it's, it's, it's the whole danger thing in both directions. But you know, the thing is, in real life, still today, because I don't know how many guys I've been talking to in the last couple of years in their 30s that married the nice girl, mm-hmm. and they figured that, you know, if they got married, you know, mm-hmm. she'd learn about sex and loosen up and everything. Mm-hmm. Here they are with two kids in a mortgage or three kids in a mortgage, and she hasn't loosened up, and sex is, you know, here and there, and it's nothing new is going to happen, and you know, there are things they weren't going to do, they still aren't going to do, and a lot of things they did do they don't want to do anymore, and, you know, the thing of it is, is, you know, it's like that old saying, um, when people get married, women, men marry women hoping they'll change, and women marry men um, hoping they will, and both parties end up disappointed. Mm-hmm. And you know, and it's and it's true, you know, and the guys still they want this idea that they're gonna have this sweet thing that is gonna be for them and worship the hero boy and you know, but then, you know, she'll come she will become the wanton thing across time <laughs> when he wants her to be, but you know, he doesn't want her to be wanton before because then he doesn't know if he can like control her and keep her for himself and <laughs> and the, the truth of the matter is, is I've had this conversation now with some guys that had rejected me because I've always been heavy and have been complaining about their sex life. And I went, you know, don't go crying to me. You know, you guys didn't want to date me when I was younger and available. And now, you know, you're sitting here talking about your middle-aged bums. And it's like, I don't give a crap. I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. Because, you know, they wanted those sweet, petite, little innocent girl and I always had, you know, my sassy streak and, you know, lived off and whatnot and, you know, but I also was always a good time. So, you know what, you didn't want to date me, you didn't want to marry me, <coughs> get bored. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that is a thing where, you know, when they're talking about damsels in distress, this is definitely the male fantasy. It is not the female fantasy. I disagree. No, because the female fantasy on it is very different than the male fantasy on it. Well, yeah, but you're you're taking these in directions. And what do you see the female fantasy as being? We want to play at it. And a friend of mine summed mm-hmm. it up. He goes, yes, you can play at being submissive, but no one will ever own or control you. And it's like my husband's summary of me is, she'll do anything I ask her, just nothing I tell her. And that, she's smiling because <laughs> she knows exactly what I'm saying. And if he's sitting there going, yeah, this is my life. For us, it's a game. For men, it's real life. And unfortunately, then, when men get it, they find out that they don't want it. Okay, I want to counterpoint. I, I, think that, I, think that for some, I think that for some women it is a game. I think for some men it is a game. I think the problem is that some on both sides take it much too seriously. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and you've got to make sure that I and she are on the same page of the book, you know, or at least in the same damn book. Yeah. Well, that's part of the point, is that we're talking about fiction. Mm-hmm. We're not really talking about... But the book. problem is, is a lot of fiction does actually answer um, archetypes and desires and things. 
you know, you look at what actually is the number one selling type of book, it's classic romance. And the women who read it, you will generally, they can go through one or two books a week with that stuff. I mean, they also go, and one of my friends who's into that stuff, you know, she's the president of a company. She lives in this big house with the in-ground pool, drives a luxury car and stuff. She's in a gilded cage. She has this, like, life-sucking scum of a husband, a battle axe of a mother, dysfunctional siblings, an adaptive son who's having all kinds of problems. Of course she reads romances. But aren't, aren't, I, I've never read a romance novel, I have to admit, but aren't oh. they about damsels in distress? And, and Often, yes. Yeah. But the thing is that they, get, they always get rescued by somebody who's wonderful and, yes, like you said, strong enough to conquer them, and yet they will protect them from mm -hmm. all the negativity, and they give them this wonderful life with lots of love and great sex. The erotic nature, though, of the scoundrel, the demon, the monster, it tickles the back of the neck. It, it, it makes you both cringe and smile. Well, for one thing, in general, they're just written in a more interesting fashion, usually, oh, yeah. than the hero, yeah. who's usually pretty boring. Yeah. Well, I mean, Dracula, I guess, is, is an example yeah. of, of the, the sinister sexual beauty. And then there's just the whole aspect of any guy in a black cape. You mm -hmm. know, you just increase the degree of sexiness by about five times. With, with my ex-wife, um, you know, who was a wonderful woman. I blew it, I'll admit it. Um, we were watching the, 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 the Frank Langella, the 1980s version of Dracula, okay? And we're sitting there snuggled up on the couch, and he breezes into the room and says, I am Count Dracula. And she almost ripped my arm off, okay? It was like, do I want him? <laughs> you know? It'll be the Christopher Lee Dracula with me. I think he was, yeah, he's showing where all of a sudden his hands started moving. It was just like, you know, and he was just starting to move like, and it was just the whole way he, you know, mm -hmm. she and I talk about. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's a ten movie. He's laying there, you know, and he's coming, starting to move. And it was just, they're shocking about the way that whole thing was done and how he moved. was just like, you wanted that hand moving on you, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and he, he definitely, oh, that, that had to be one of his best roles he ever did. Looking at, at, say, Gone with the Wind, okay, whether or not she will ever admit it, Scarlett O'Hara needs Rhett Butler or someone very much like him because she needs someone who can protect her from herself. And, and the reason I say that is that she has developed this survival mechanism which causes her to play the angles without thinking about it. But the problem is that if you play the angles during a crisis, you solve the crisis. If you play the angles where there is no crisis, you wind up creating one. Well, does, does Red need Scarlet, Scarlet just as much as 
I, I, I think he does because he needs a handful. Mm -hmm. You know, he's 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 the Mississippi Riverboat gambler. And I mean, I, I don't he'd be bored with anything with, less with than her. With a damsel in distress who just is, is you know, helpless all the time. Either. Well, there's 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 the difference between being helpless and being challenging. You know. And 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 the the thing is that Scarlet made the vow to herself and to God that she would never again be helpless. Oh no, that's what I'm saying. You I'm know, not calling Scarlet helpless. Yeah. I'm saying he wouldn't be happy with someone that was helpless. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, you know, he he likes he likes rescuing her, but he likes even more having a good constructive fight. Yeah. Well, <laughs> a, a good a, a good constructive. A, a fight if she will fight fair, and I, I, I think that's that she her. doesn't know it's fair. Yeah, she does. Uh, yeah, and, and well, to her, I think it's a sign of weakness to fight fair. Mm -hmm. You know. But yeah, picture him with Melanie. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. you know, um, which is just really as ludicrous as picturing Scarlet with Ashley, even though that's yeah, what's in her head the entire book. Mm -hmm. Until she gets him and then realizes he's as boring as everybody's been telling her he is. Mm -hmm. You know, dear God, who put this lump of clay in my bed, you know? <laughs> so, but some, some people, some guys and some girls, don't seem to want freedom of choice. They want freedom from choice. You know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, that, that if... If that person is making all of my choices for me, then it's not my fault. But there are other people who've got themselves to make they don't have choices. Mm -hmm. I actually, I'm not denying that. Yeah, no. I, see, I actually think those are the people who are really in the stress. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd rather, you know, rather than denying that I have choices, I'd actually rather meet up with a real monster because, you know, I mean, at least I'm really alive and, you know, making choices mm -hmm. versus, you know, yeah, but choice is sometimes scary, you know. Um, I I I read once that two facts about about professional dominance and submission, or whatever. Um, dominatrix talking about the fact that that most of her clients, whether male or female, were high class business professionals who have to run either a company or a division of a company, you know, seven days a week, because even when you go home, there's that phone call at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning, you know, what do we do about this, you know, so on and so forth. And, and these people come to her because no one knows where they are, no one can get in touch with them, and they are completely, utterly devoid of choice or decision-making or whatever, for that two or three hours, you know. On the other hand, the business life of a professional dominant or dominatrix is usually five to ten years. They burn out because he or she is always so busy solving everybody else's crisis. In, in the context of, of this discussion about damsels, I mean, where would you put like the slasher movies, like the Halloween. Oh, movies, I hate them. I think I, I, I think like that there's I, I, they're I, in distress, but there's really no hero. Well, I think I think the slasher movies are. How can I say this? 
I think the slasher movies are pornography. Okay. Um, <coughs> the difference between eroticism and pornography is that in eroticism you are actually trying to tell a story. Okay? In pornography you're just trying to show sex, 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 sex as much as you can, as often as you can, in as many ways as you can with just the barest threads of a plot to make it all seem to fit, okay? You know, the, the, difference, between the, the, the difference between an R-rated movie and a triple X-rated movie is that an R-rated movie has a beginning, a climax, and the end. The triple X-rated movie has neither the first nor the last, but plenty of the middle. Um, to, me, to me, the slasher movies are, are in their way akin to, to pornography because they exist for one reason to show the axe swinging, to show the knife swinging, to show the blood dripping, to, to drown you in that. And the martial arts movies is to go from one fight scene to the next. They're all right. very related. Right, mm -hmm. right. It's, it's, it's... I always thought of martial arts movies like porn. It's, it, yeah, it's, 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 it's an overdose. I hated, I hated Blade. I, I understand that the second movie and the third movie were actually improvements on it. I hated Blade because it was like watching someone else play a martial arts video game. Okay, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm watching yeah. I'm, I'm watching her play a video game, and I and and and, and, and I and, and, and I would have chosen <laughs> I would have chosen to to leave that level and move on to something already. But she or he or whoever is too busy just still slaughtering vampires, you know. And and fine, you know, he kills the first vampire, it's interesting. He kills the fifth vampire, it's interesting. He's killing the 934th vampire. Why hasn't the plot advanced? Um, well, there was some plot in there. There was some. Yeah. You know, but... But you could have taken out half... But that's, you know, but it's not just that, but even like a lot of science fiction now, suddenly all the aliens have to come like... Slimy, you know, like with Independence Day aliens and all that. You know, you have a lot of slimy aliens these days that are, you know, insect like in a way. Mm -hmm. And they just have to show all this slime. And after a while, it's like, you know, I'm really sick of the drippy, goopy slime and all this stuff. It's like, they overdo well, it. Was it. Cool an alien when, when it started. The first one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But by the last one, when she's sitting there in the middle of all this, it's like, come on already. It's like, mm -hmm. too much. Give me Gattaca, okay? I love that. Which is almost not a mm -hmm. single special effect, but marvelous story. Give me Fallen, mm -hmm. you know, which is the same thing, okay? Yeah. Um, give me, um, give me Mr. and Mrs. Smith, okay? Which which is darn violent. Yeah, which which is violent. They spend the entire movie trying to kill each other. But it is story and story and story and more story. Because while he and she are trying to kill each other, they are both maneuvering around the house, taunting and teasing and yet flirting with each other. It's quite clear that he still desires her. 
that that whole that whole them chasing each other around the house is one thing. Foreplay. Am I wrong? I objectify women. Okay? Am I proud of it? No. Am I ashamed of it? No. It's just what I do. Okay? As much as I objectify women, she objectifies men. You might as well admit it, okay? I, I love the fact that she has a doctorate, okay? I love the fact that she is intelligent and whatever, but there are times when she has walked out of the dressing room or whatever and go, honey, how do you like this? <laughs> and I don't care at that point whether or not she has a brain in her head. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> jerking this whole thing back for a moment. And then, and, and, you know, these, these panels do that. We've had a wonderfully weird rambling panel. It's lethal. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, I just meant all over the board. Yes. <laughs> I, I think if you look at it from both sides, first of all, from the male perspective, and, and granted, I'm generalizing here, okay? I don't want her to have a choice. I want her to have to do what I tell her to do, dress as I tell her to dress, be beautiful when I want her to be beautiful. The problem is that doing that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, would kill me within a month. Trying to, trying to even, even if you were totally in favor of it, trying to do it would, would cause me to have an aneurysm, okay? But it's, but it's nice to think about, okay? Some women want not freedom of choice, but freedom from choice. Whether it's full-time, which is very rare, but you do find those, or just the part-time. You know, honey, from Friday evening at 9 until Monday morning when we both have to go to work, I'm your love slave. You know. And then that's great for two days, and then it's five days of being the business world, and you go back to that again. Is the damsel in distress by his design, by her design, by their design? You know, what goes on? What happens? That's, that's the whole thing. But then there are men that also yell mm. yeah, like that. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, going back to the guys who, who are the company vice presidents but visit a dominatrix twice a week. You know about six or seven after, and we've had an interesting conversation, sometimes on topic, sometimes not, but that's what all this is about. I hope you all have had a good time, and that you will recommend this to yep. do something like this again. So are you selling your book if they hmm? decide to read it? I'm s I've got a book signing at uh, noon on Sunday. It is very specific. Yeah, I've got, I've got. It's, just, it's really worth the punchline. <laughs> it is. Well, yeah. you have got copies there? I've got copies here, and I've got them up. Are you, are you, do you have a place in the dealer room? Or I don't have a place in the dealer's room, no. Do no. you have some now? I've got two right here if you want. Ten bucks each if you want. I'll take one. Okay. Give me your ten. His collection of short stories is called Scars and Roses. That is it for show 26. Thanks for joining us. And thanks to S.T. Clemens for that uh, 
sort of bizarre discussion of damsels in distress. Uh, I thought I thought it was fun, and uh, the kind of thing you run into at science fiction conventions. Thanks also to the Podsafe Music Network for that little incidental music I was playing throughout the show. It was called African Melody, and I kind of liked it. I will talk to you in two weeks, which will be our one-year anniversary of Dateline Jessum. This is Elmo from the Barsoomian Blade Bureau in Chicago, signing off. Snap to Grossman, best to throw, late pressure, hyped by how to sound it, throws down the left edge. Oh! Intercepted five, goal line, touchdown! Touchdown Bears!